I invite you to turn tonight to Revelation chapter 12, last book of the Bible, as we spend some time tonight in Revelation 12. That's found on page 1226. 1226. And we'll read the entirety of the chapter. Let's give our attention to uh, the Lord's Word tonight. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. Another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven, and he cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now, war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent that is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they've conquered him. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of its mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. And there ends the reading of God's word tonight. Well, as we um, continue our, to think about the, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there are many takes that are given to us in the Scripture uh, to consider uh, His coming, His first advent and coming. And I've always thought that one of the more important passages that helps us with the, the, the first coming of Christ, with the arrival of Him on the scene of history, really is, is captured here in the book of Revelation, one that is giving us a sort of heavenly picture, a, a snapshot of all of history, if you will. Um, that's, what, that's what these visions are. They're, they're not so much chronological. They're giving us snapshots of history. And in this particular one, we have a snapshot of history in a unique perspective, really centered on, you'll notice, which is the center of this passage, is the birth of Christ. 
and is his, his exaltation and his rule of the nations with a rod of iron. That's the centerpiece of, of this particular vision that is here before us tonight. And this explains to us the big story. That's why I always like to, to consider Revelation 12. It gives us the whole story, the big picture of the battle, the sort of cosmic battle of all of history. There has been a war going on from the beginning. There has been a fierce battle going on from the beginning. And what you are experiencing, when we're looking at the big picture, and this is what he was helping the first century Christians with, what you are experiencing is the end of this long warfare. You're at the end of history. You're at the end of all this conflict that has taken place in the world that has been awful. And you've got to see your place in light of the bigger picture, in light of the bigger story, then it makes sense to us. Then we can process the evil that's happening in the world. Then we can understand why things are so fierce right now and why there's so much conflict right now and why it's so difficult right now. It has everything to do with the birth of Christ and his exaltation. And this is important because when you come to the book of Revelation and the very context in which this book comes to us, first century Christians were really confused. Why are we facing all of this? Why, why so much hatred? You know, it's similar to the book of Hebrews that we've been studying. Why, why so much conflict? Revelation 12 answers this. I think it answers it in a very unique way, in the, one of the most helpful ways for us, because it says you're at the end of a long history of war, but your war is a little different than before. It's different in the sense that Jesus has won. And that's why things are so bad right now. You say, well, how does that work? That doesn't make any sense. I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that. But it is precisely because of the incarnation and what has followed, that is what has made life so difficult on the earth for this kind of warfare that's being described. Now, it's good in many ways. Don't get me wrong. But in terms of the warfare that he's capturing, he wants us to understand what the incarnation has inaugurated, has brought, what, it, what, what were the consequences of that. So he's painting the scene of a cosmic fight that's been going on so that you can appreciate this and that you could understand what's coming at you and you can know why it's coming at you and then you can have confidence as these things come at you because of he is victorious, which is where this great passage takes us. Well, that's Revelation 12, and I think it helps us to celebrate um, in a different kind of way uh, the, the incarnation and the birth of Christ. In this particular passage, you have three sort of figures here. You have the woman, and you have her son, and you have a big dragon. That's exciting to preach for kids, right? Maybe not. But think about these characters here for a minute. A woman, a son, and a dragon. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. A beautiful woman is described. Uh, she's radiant. Uh, she, is, she is cherished. Um, you'll notice here 
that it's such a beautiful description of her, the divisions that, that he's given here. And it's really the light of the luminaries he's using to describe her. Uh, she is bright. She is shining. She is radiant. She is majestic. The sun is her garment. The light of the moon lights her path. The brilliance of the stars are her crown, you'll notice. So it's an imagery here of this really splendid woman. And she's beautiful. She's reflecting light. Come to verse 2, and it describes that this woman is in great pain. Pain in giving birth. There's something so precious um, about this, about a woman who's carrying a child and uh, it's, it's pure, it's beautiful, it's wholesome, it's wonderful. Um, it's a gift of God. And um, she is really pictured here, and we know this in, in life. The whole process is so, so delicate and fragile, isn't it? You know, we went to the hospital, I realized I was a nervous wreck when our firstborn was, was, being, was coming out. I didn't know what was going to happen, you know. The whole process is just, it's overwhelming. You, I, I remember I, I couldn't even process what had just happened. So this beautiful image is given. This woman is carrying a child, but she is in pain because she has to give birth. And as she's giving birth. But then all of a sudden, we have this imagery of this birth taking place. All of a sudden, a fierce villain and foe is set right next to the woman coming at her. She's described, uh, 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 this this threat is described in verse 3. And you couldn't come up with a more terrifying figure to set adjacent to this wonderful image. Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon. Seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. This is, this is an angry, beastly figure. <coughs> Red, in Revelation, you know, is, is, um, is, it's really symbolic of bloodshed. He has seven heads and ten horns. It, it's really capturing this, this beast's power. He's got great power over the, in the nations, doesn't he? Symbolizes his great power and, and his, uh, his influence in the nations. This is all taken from Daniel. If you get the imagery, he's roaring and he's foaming and he's swinging his tail everywhere. He's making a lot of noise. He's shattering everything that he can. He's knocking around the luminaries in the heaven. He's knocking stars out of the sky. I mean, you know, if you've ever watched Lord of the Rings, you see these figures. You know, Tolkien tried to capture, I think, some of this. These big, massive, impressive beasts that are fierce and ready to destroy. Well, that's what we have here. Heart of the battle is, is he has one aim. One focus. It's the woman. He is aimed to destroy the woman and the child. 
That's the heart of the battle. Notice it, verse 4. When he saw that the woman was ready to give birth, he violently went in and he tried to destroy the child and devour the child. It's awful. Pregnant wife walking through a dark place and a ravenous beast jumps out at her to attack her. It's just the imagery here is as, is as awful as you could get. He's, he's painting a picture for us, a, a mental picture of this awful warfare. And, and, and then in a sweeping announcement of this particular vision, something happens. It says, she, this woman, gave birth to a male child. And here it is, this child was to rule the nations, destined to rule the nations with a rod of iron, and he was caught up to God on his throne. <laughs> so, in just one sentence, he captured the whole story of history. He captured the whole Gospels that we study, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In one sentence, he made it really easy for you guys tonight. Pastors need a lot of time to explain these things. John was a short pastor. He's had short sermons. He was caught up to God in his throne. Let's go home, right? I was at coffee break um, the other day speaking to the ladies, and they said, Pastor, you talk on Christmas. Of course I can talk on Christmas. Can you talk on Christmas from Genesis 3.15? Well, sure. That's a great idea. That's the very first gospel announcement. Do you know what that says? Um, it's a beautiful verse. You know, I will put enmity between you and the woman, right? Between your seed and her seed. He shall crush your head and you will bruise his heel. People have said, well, is that really a gospel announcement? It, does, you know, it doesn't seem like it's saying very much. Well, Revelation 12 tells you the story <laughs> from beginning to end. Revelation progresses and it gets clearer and clearer. And there was the first seed, the first gospel announcement right there. That God had said a woman. There would be a struggle between the serpent and the woman. Right there in Genesis 3.15. Right at the beginning. And that there would be two seeds in the earth. And, and that there would be this great struggle of the people of God to bring forth their deliverer, to bring forth their champion who would crush the head of the serpent. Big, long struggle. That's captured in Revelation 12. She was in agony giving birth. That agony was not just the birth of Mary. That agony was the agony of history to bring forth the Messiah. All throughout the Old Testament, this was the struggle. This was the struggle. The fight of the serpent and the woman. Like a pregnant woman, Isaiah 26, who writhes and cries out in her pangs when she is near to giving birth, so we were. Because of you, O oh Lord. Satan's great strategy throughout history was to kill the child. But who would it be? Who would it be? How would he know? He went after the woman fiercely. Eve has a child. Remember what she said? I've acquired a man from the Lord. It's not quite the best reading. 
I've got him. Satan said, no, you don't. It was Abel. And what did Satan do? You see the battle. The seed of the serpent rose up and destroyed the seed of the woman. Seth. It continues. Who was Abraham's? Who, was, who did Abraham think? It would be Ishmael. Ishmael was not a good man. No, and the Lord said, no, and Isaac your seed shall be called. And then the warfare of Jacob and Esau, the Edomite. And this great struggle throughout history from Penina mocking Hannah because she's barren, from Sarah being barren. Look at all this struggle to bring forth. From Saul trying to spear David. Everything was the warfare of the woman in agony trying to give birth. That's the story of the Old Testament. That's the whole story of the Old Testament. Satan standing before her, waiting the whole time, trying to devour. And where do we see it all come to a head? With Herod, the Edomite. A descendant of Esau who stood there and he said, I'll go worship him. And the, and the, um, the narrators tell us all he had planned to do was to kill him and all the babies to make sure he got the right one. But see, this is the struggle of the church to bring forth the Messiah. This is the history of the world. This is the most important history of the world. This is God's history of his son. And she prevailed. That's the good news, isn't it? She prevailed. She prevailed to bring forth the Messiah. It happened in history. It happened. And think about what that child went to do. And that child was caught up to God in his throne. Now, you're putting yourself in a first century context here. All the opposition, all the struggle. And this, this story is sounding wonderful, isn't it? In one sweeping statement, all the four gospels, she brought him forth. You think of Simeon saying, I have beheld in my arms the Lord's light and the Lord's salvation to the Gentiles. Here he is. Think of that imagery. Now I'm ready to die. As soon as he was caught up to God in his throne, why are things so hard? A war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought. And the devil and his angels fought. And there was no longer found a place for Satan, for the devil, for the serpent. The cosmic battle happened. I want you to think of it this way. You know, when Jesus uh, said before he's ascended, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. It's all, it's all mine. I rule. Right? Her child was caught up to God. He would do what? Rule the nations with a rod of iron. That's what happened. At Pentecost, it's what happened in the ascension. He was caught up to God in his throne, and he took his seat, ruling the nations. 
In Acts 1, Jesus ascended. Cloud received him. And Jesus said, wait for a little bit. I got to go house clean. I've got to go house clean. Have you ever watched a, a film when this villain is, is yelling and out of control and he's breathing threats and he's bullying everyone and he's, he's obnoxious and, and all of a sudden this hero walks in and closes the door and you hear scuffling and you hear banging around and you hear throwing around and then you walk, he comes, walks out and he says, it's, it's, it's dealt with. You know, it's, a, it's kind of the imagery here. The thug was dealt with. Between Ascension and Pentecost, there was house cleaning. And, and all of a sudden, in verse 7, the war is described in Revelation 12 as coming to the climax. The accuser of his brethren, notice, was cast down. Satan um, had a great accusation against you. He had a great accusation because of your sin. Think of him coming in Zechariah the high priest, and he says, Lord, see him? He's filthy. He's filthy. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought, and the devil and his angels fought. There was no longer found a place for him. Verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now listen to this. this think of first century Christians hearing this. Now, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God, and they've conquered him. How, how did we conquer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even to death. The kingdom has come. When Jesus was ascended, the kingdom has come. When his arrival on the scene of history, the kingdom has come. And I think that's important for us because he's saying you need to look at history this way. This is how you can see the big picture. You know, it's Sometimes things are way better when you, and you can see a lot clearer when you're looking from high up. And that's the first implication. There's no more accusation. But do you see how Revelation's showing us the story and driving us into hope through the incarnation and the resurrection and the ascension? There's no accusation. What? can we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare up his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also graciously with him give us everything who shall bring a charge against God's elect but it's this great statement in Revelation 12 where he says the accuser was cast down and what are we told to do rejoice Rejoice. You know, I think that's our big problem right now in Christianity. I'm not sure we're rejoicing. Are we living by faith that he's won? 
do we believe that all of this is defeated? It's just a matter of time. Are we rejoicing in the the Savior? Are we rejoicing in his victory? Are we rejoicing in the fact that he triumphed over death and the devil and all evil? And is seated and is ruling all the nations with a rod of iron. He is Psalm 2, the one. Kiss the sun, all you rulers, lest you perish in the way. That's him. That's him. Rejoice, O Christians. Well, why all the hate then? Why all the violence? Why are things getting worse? I don't get that. John, why? Explain it. Rejoice, O heavens. That's you and you who dwell in them. You're in principle seated with him. That's Ephesians 2. But woe to you, earth and sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that his time is short. The woe is not pronounced on those who dwell in heaven. That's where you belong. Set your minds on things in heaven where Christ is. That's where you belong. That's your home. Satan's been thrown down to the earth. Why is it so bad? The devil is so defeated by the blood of the lamb and our testimony. He has in rage been assigned to this. You want to know why you see right now all the hate, all the division, why you see lawlessness abounding to the degree, all the destruction, all the rage, all the fury, why it's at an all-time high? Because he's given it his all. I've used this before. Maybe the boys and girls remember. It's like a, my betta fish. Anybody remember my betta fish story? I had a betta fish. Beautiful little fish. But when you change the water, you usually kill them. I'm good at killing fish. I changed the water. And all of a sudden, that little fish in that bowl turned sideways. And he went 100 miles an hour around the bowl. That's Satan in the earth. His time's short. He's dying. (laughs) He's running around wreaking havoc like as as much as he possibly can to destroy you to destroy. But most of all, woe to those on the earth. He's wreaking havoc among them. His fury is at an all-time high. The whole world lies under his sway. See? Revelation 12 says, since the woman's brought forth a child, his great goal in all this is to make war. Now, his great goal is to make war with the woman's offspring. His great aim is the children of the woman. The other children. Here's why I love the visions. We'll close with this. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to a place where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river. (laughs) That has such a history. You know where that comes from. 
when Israel went out into the wilderness, guess who came after him? them? The armies of Pharaoh and the Amalekites. Satan was pictured as trying to destroy them right at the gates. And guess what happened? They went out into the wilderness for 40 years. And all along the way, what did God do? He helped them. He fed them with manna. He nourished them. He cared for them. All along the way, the earth helped them. Waters came from the rock. Quail fell at their doorstep. He was defending them. But I couldn't help but think, and maybe I just never saw it before, but that Jesus himself went after Herod, tried to destroy him, went where? He fled to Egypt. For what purpose? That it might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt, I've called my son. See, the the deliverance and the protection is yours. God is nourishing us. God is shielding us. God is protecting us the whole way through from the rage of the dragon. And Satan can't destroy you. Ultimately, he cannot destroy you. He can't touch you. Isn't that what Jesus said? to Satan is asked to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. So think about what we're celebrating this year. She bore a male child who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron, And the child was caught up to God and his throne. And this child rules the nations today. That's the encouragement. The victory has happened. And the point is, you're on the accomplished side of history. You're on the fulfillment side of history. You're on the side of the very end of it all. Where he's about ready to come back. And establish a new heavens and a new earth. So how do we overcome then? We rejoice. We celebrate. We celebrate the blood of the Lamb. We have faith in Him. And we go forward and we hold forth the gospel of that testimony to the end. That's what Revelation's telling us. They didn't love their lives to death. They, they held that testimony. The testimony of the blood of the Lamb. That's, beloved, what we celebrate in the Incarnation. And I want everyone to look. You are hearing a sermon that has ended 10 minutes early. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word um, to us tonight. Thank you for the good news of the gospel. Thank you for encouraging us um, with such a powerful message of victory, for giving us hope. And uh, may, Lord, we stand strong in these days, realizing and understanding the big whole story of history in the victory of the Lamb. Thank you for the incarnation and for paying for our sins, through the blood of the, the Lamb, and that our King is raised, seated victorious over all, and that all the nations will bow at the feet of our King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.